I've been followed by the last line of our gospel passage all week long. That last line that reads, by your endurance you will gain your souls. By your endurance you will gain your souls. I've been considering it from the perspective of those who were there in maybe roughly the year 30, there with Jesus of Nazareth walking around the temple complex and looking up at the most beautiful, awesome, incredible, glorious building that they had ever seen in their entire lives. And hearing Jesus say that all will be thrown down. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. And I've been considering what it might have sounded like to those early Christians who heard it in, say, the year 90. That's when we believe that the Gospel of Luke was compiled, taking the actions and the teachings of the Christ into this stunning narrative. And it was put together one generation after the temple did come down. In the year 70 AD, when the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed, annihilated, and the persecutions did follow. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. And I was considering this phrase this past week. This past week when there was another shooting in a school on the quad right before school started seemingly totally at random. And a 14-year-old and a 15-year-old are dead. And there are catastrophic floods submerging Venice, devastating fires choking Australia, and convulsive civil unrest, it seems like, across continents in Chile and in Bolivia and in Iraq and in Hong Kong. And finally, this week began the public impeachment hearings of the President of the United States of America, centered on charges of bribery and obstruction of justice. That's all since Monday. And so I keep coming back to this phrase, by your endurance, you will gain your souls. And 
I'd like to focus on three words. Endurance, gain, and soul. About 12 years ago, when I was serving as an associate rector and my first call, I realized a truth that I never expected to learn. I had been serving this congregation for several years, and a new rector was called, and after about a year, uh, the new rector asked that I would fill out a self evaluative performance review in advance of a performance review, and I was actually kind of excited by it because in the years that I had been in this congregation, I hadn't received an annual review, and so I filled it out, and I, and I put down the things where I felt like I could improve and the places where I felt like things were going well, and I handed it in. A couple weeks later, uh, we met. And I received the most devastating, brutal feedback and review that I have ever received in my entire life. It was clear that nothing that I wrote down on that form would have prepared me for what happened. Those places where I had fallen short were blown into just entirely out of proportion and Things were added in that I hadn't done or not done. It was, it was really false. And I, I, I still remember, I can feel the feeling in my body of what it was like to absorb that. It was awful. And uh, the term gaslighting wasn't widespread at that time, but as I later learned about it, that's exactly what it was. It was a person using their power to create a false reality for someone else in order to manipulate them. That's exactly what took place, and it was so profoundly destabilizing that as I left it, I had no idea what I was going to do next. Because clearly, according to this review, I was not meant to be a priest. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. The kind of endurance that this passage is talking about that Jesus is teaching us about is more than just exertion through exhaustion. It's a kind of endurance uh, that involves patient resolve for purpose. There is a reason to endure. It is the endurance of Jesus in the desert. It is the endurance of Jesus in the garden. It is the endurance of the woman at the cross. 
This kind of endurance is a, is a steadfastness. It's a willingness to remain, to remain astride as the currents are ripping past you. but a willingness to remain nonetheless. I, I found my endurance in a, an unlikely place. It was actually in the performance review itself. One of the things that was written in it was that the work that I was uh, putting in was not enough and that, in fact... My time spent with my family was detrimental to my work as a priest. That my time with uh, Sarah and our boys, who were then one and three, was taking away from my ability to be a priest in that place. And that was part of what did it for me. Because I realized that that was true then my call to be a priest could not come at the expense of my vocation as a parent and as a partner. And what came clear in conversation then was that I needed to be ready to do something else. And so, fortunately, Sarah was able if needed, to transition into full-time work, and I was prepared to walk away from the priesthood to be the primary parent of our boys. Because that was what I was willing to endure for. It was very clear. Now, there is much, much more to that story, and part of that story is that I ended up being called here to serve with this congregation. But the truth of enduring that dark night of the soul, of realizing what it was that I was made for by God, what I was called to become. That truth was realized. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. Gain, it's a, it's, in the text here, it means to acquire, to obtain, to some translations put it as win, as in by your endurance you win your soul. But um, regardless, it seems to me it's something that you get and you do not get. And I believe that to be true. I believe that anyone can get it. But not all of us are willing to endure because it's hard. And so um, 
maybe uh, what, what sits funny with me about this uh, definition of winning is I didn't feel like I won anything. But I do feel like uh, through this time and through the, the, the difficult hours that something did emerge, that something was gained, that something was realized in me. And realized what, what was realized. Well, this is, uh, this is an interesting word as well. It's suke. It's uh, used over a hundred times in the Christian New Testament. And it's alternately translated as mind, heart, self, life, and soul. It is derived from breath. For without breath, there is no life. And so you'll see it uh, in many, many parts that you're familiar with uh, from Luke's gospel. For instance, uh, towards the beginning in Mary's song, My soul magnifies the Lord. My being, my breath, my life magnifies the Lord. Or um, when the disciples are worried, what will they eat? How will they live? It's Jesus who teaches them that um, is not the soul, is not the life, is not the being more than food and the body more than clothing. It's, it is the breath that gives life. It is the, the sense of uh, being alive. It is the very being that we acquire. Because God knows we can simply exist. We can just be in this world. And that involves very little heart or endurance or faith. And I think this is, this life is what one of the saints of the church, a second century bishop named Irenaeus of Lyon, this is what he meant when he declared that the glory of God is the human being fully alive. The glory of God is the human being fully alive. Does it have to come about this way? Does it have to come through those difficult times and those dark nights? I don't know that it does. I just know that that's how it can happen. Maybe it's in those moments when you are just holding on that you actually fundamentally, essentially understand what you're living for, what you're loving for. It's in those bed bedside vigils with a loved one who is about to leave this earth 
It's in the cool washcloths on a fevered forehead in the small hours of the night. It's in the person who's willing to sit behind you at a public hearing as you give witness to what you know to be true. It's with those in our lives who are willing to remain and remain and remain. It's for weeks like this last week. Jesus says, hold fast, friends. Hold fast. In the midst of it all. Because in it, life, true life awaits. 